It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. 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 Today begins uh, a week of prayer for us as a fellowship and for many in the church of Jesus Christ, where we are praying for the persecuted church. The church in America doesn't face much persecution, albeit there is persecution in the church in America. But the church globally, where the name of Jesus Christ is oftentimes illegal to even speak, people are losing their lives every single day for the gospel. Martyrs for the faith of Jesus Christ, for the faith that we stand. And it's our opportunity in America to pray. Pray for the church in America, but to pray for the church globally where the gospel is going forth powerfully and effectively to the converting of souls. People are entering into the kingdom of God in unbelievable numbers. Many of them who give their hearts to Christ immediately give their lives to Christ through martyrdom. And so as a, as a fellowship, we want to pray for the church. And in the course of this morning's message, I will uh, give you opportunity. We'll have a handout for the next today and the next, the following seven days, so really eight days of prayer, and how we might pray very specifically for some targeted areas and to pray for the church. And my prayer, and I think the prayer of the leadership of our fellowship, and I trust your prayer as well, is that God will rock your ship. God will rock your boat. All too often, it's easy to become very distracted by the things and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and we lose perspective. And I pray today that in the course of studying the Word of God, that God would get a hold of our hearts. He would get a hold of our hearts fresh and new and transform us from the inside out. Can someone say amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've been a part of our studies on Sunday morning, you know that we walk through the Bible. We go chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse. And uh, it is that we are in the book of Revelation right now, and we are navigating through Revelation chapter 3. There are Seven letters to seven churches that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to John, who was on the island of Patmos. John, if you recall, he's about 96 years old. He has been exiled on Patmos for the gospel, for the witness of Jesus Christ. He was in the midst of some of the heaviest persecution that the church had faced up to that point. He was, during his days of exile there, was under Diocletian and some of the most horrific kinds of persecution were happening to those who laid claim to the name of Jesus Christ. And one historian records that they could not take John's life from him after the attempts of boiling him in a cauldron of hot oil, that the boiling of the oil did have no effect upon him that he was exiled to the island of Patmos to die. And there he had an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. Not only risen, but glorified. And Jesus inspired him to write the things which he had seen, the things that are, and the things which shall take place shortly after or after these things. And so the book of Revelation is really divided into three parts. 
the things which thou hast seen is Revelation chapter 1. John on the island of Patmos saw the resurrected Jesus, the glorified Jesus. Not only did he see him, it was not a vision, but he was tangibly touched by him. Jesus Christ showed up on the island of Patmos. Now for John, you can imagine pastoring seven churches, very concerned about his churches while he's in exile. Jesus shows up and basically reminds him, I'm on the throne, I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore. And for every one of us today, regardless of your circumstances, be reminded today that Jesus Christ is alive, and he's in control, and he is in charge. And it may seem like maybe there's a storm going on around you, but be reminded today that he is with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. If your faith is in Jesus Christ today, he is with you. Praise be to God. So we come to chapter 3, and we're in the sixth letter, and there are four tangible applications of these letters, and I think it's worthy that we review them every single week while we're in the midst of these seven letters. The first is that these letters were written to a very particular church, a church in Asia Minor, what we know today is Turkey, a church that was there and was doing well in the kingdom of God. Jesus had some things very specific to say to those individual churches. Some of them received a great commendation. Others received somewhat of a rebuke, a reminder that we are to be about his business. And not only is it written to a particular church, but it was written really in a panoramic view to all churches. All the churches that existed in that first century, which there were many, a cursory look at the book of Acts would remind us that there were many more churches than the seven churches referenced in the book of Revelation. And so to all churches, these letters were written and actually circulated during that first century. But all churches across the timeline of what we would now know as church history, from that first century, 33, 32 AD, all the way up to today. These letters are written very specifically to us as a fellowship. How awesome for you and I to recognize and to realize that the risen, glorified Jesus Christ has something specific to say to us as a fellowship. We just received love letters from Jesus. That's super cool. I love that. Jesus is speaking to us. Now, not only particular, panoramic, but also personally. Jesus is saying, if you're here today, let me, let me say it this way. If you're here today and your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're trusting in what Jesus accomplished upon the cross when he shed his own blood for the remission of your sin, to atone for your sin personally, my sin personally. If your faith is in Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ. And he is writing to you personally, personally. And I would say that if every one of us took time to listen, in fact, what the Spirit of God says seven times in these letters, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If we would listen, we would likely receive not only his grace and his love and his mercy, but we would probably also receive some of his correction 
How many of you know going to church is not always going to be fun and games when we go to church? There's sometimes going to be, God's word is going to bring correction because it brings revelation about who we are, where we are, and oftentimes our misguidedness from our own hearts. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us that the heart is the most deceitful amongst all the members of the body. And so if our hearts are being deceptive, it's the word of God. It's the absolute of the word of God that needs to bring us back into proper alignment. Some would say amen. Amen. So when the Spirit of God speaks to you from the Word of God, and if your life doesn't line up with the Word of God, hey, I got good news for you. Don't argue with God. That's an argument you generally won't win. In fact, you'll never win. (laughs) So why not simply just submit? Let the Spirit of God really transform us from the inside out. Amen. And some of us have recognized in our process over the last five weeks that the Spirit of God wants earnestly and eagerly and lovingly to transform us. Why would he do that? Why would he want to do that? I believe wholeheartedly that God the Holy Spirit wants to transform us because he wants us to be in the best position to receive the maximum grace, the maximum blessing that God the Father has through his son Jesus Christ. Benevolence. It's God's benevolence. He wants to bless We position ourselves out of his blessing. And it's the Holy Spirit that's trying to pull us back in so we can receive God's maximum blessing. Thanks be to God. So when it hurts, ow, stop. No, it's yes, Lord, ow, hurt me some more. Pull me back in because I really do want to be blessed by God maximally. So, amen. Well, we're in Revelation chapter 3. We're in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13. This is the letter written to the messenger or the angel of the church of Philadelphia. One thing to note, this particular letter, this particular church, Jesus Christ had nothing negative to say about them. That's unique. It's the only letter of the seven that he doesn't have something negative to say. I think we can glean from this. Let's read together. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7, page 1082 in my Bible. I don't know where it is in yours. Okay, here we go. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit 
says to the churches. This week as I was preparing to walk through this portion, to teach through this portion of Scripture, I was challenged by a number of things. And so I want to I want to give the sermon, if you will, in a sentence. And so if you were taking notes this morning, it might be a short page of notes. The sermon in a sentence is, seize the door. You've heard the phrase, seize the day. I think the biblical is, seize the door. Seize the door. There's a door that has been opened, and no one can shut it. We must seize that open door. Okay? So... Let's, let me give you, if you will, uh, a quick synopsis of where we've been thus far. Again, Revelation is the only book of the 66 books contained in the canon of Scripture that comes with a blessing to those who read it, those who hear it, and those who keep the words that are contained in it. It is also a unique book in that it is the only book that comes with its own divine outline, which I just shared, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, the things which thou hast seen, the things that are, and the things that will take place shortly after. We happen to be in section 2, which are the things that are, chapters 2 and 3, seven letters to seven churches, and we talked about three of the ways those can be really understood by way of application. The fourth application is prophetically that these many theologians would hold demonstrate a prophetic line of church history to john when he was on the island of patmos it was church's future if you will to us now in the year 2015 we're looking back over the span of 2000 years of church history and it really is church history and we can see very prophetically some divine timelines, if you will. And so I re-emphasize that the letter to the church of Ephesus represented that apostolic age from about 33 A.D. to about 100 A.D. The church of Smyrna, or the letter written to Smyrna, was that Antinician age, which is 100 A.D. to about 312 A.D., 325 A.D., somewhere right in there. And that Antinician, it's just really the fathers of the faith prior to that Nicene council in 325. The letter written to the church in Pergamum, the Antiquity Age, which was about 312, 313 AD, all the way up to 607. Something very unique happened in Christendom in 607 AD. Boniface III was established, and he was voted in, if you will, the universal pope of the church. And some unique things happened as a result of that. You'll have to go back and listen to the tapes that we have, or the messages online, if you will. The church of Thyatira, or Thyatira is the axial age. We know it as the Middle Ages or the Medieval Ages, if you will. That's from about 600 A.D. to the Reformation, about 1500 A.D. It's a time period. And we see very unique qualities in each of those letters that really we saw in the span of history that were transpiring during those days. And again, if you want to gain more of that information, again, you can uh, certainly listen to them uh, online. The letter written to the Church of Sardis was after the Reformation or post-Reformation from about 1560 A.D. to about 1700. And that particular church, Jesus didn't have anything good to say about them. 
In fact, we looked at the church of Sardis and we called them post-mortem. They were a dead church. They had a reputation of being alive. Ooh, we're Christians. The name itself even had a imagery of life. But Jesus himself said, you're dead. You're dead. And so that post-mortem state. But there were a remnant in in the midst of them and those that came out. And we have today uh, the result, the church of Philadelphia, the apostolic age, if you will. And that apostolic age was from about 1700, 1750, right in there, uh, on up to about 1950. And I will say... We call it the great awakening in the church. If you've done any church history, and I would highly, highly recommend that you would do a little bit of research about the faith of our fathers and those that have gone before us, because during that time period, from about 1700 to 1950, some amazing individuals, the great awakening, great fervor in prayer during those days, the church praying earnestly, Praying earnestly. John Wesley or the Wesleyan brothers, George Whitefield, William Tennant, Jonathan Edwards, missionaries, William Carey, Adoniram Judson to Burma, Robert Moffat in Africa, George Mueller, uh, David Livingstone, Hudson Taylor into China, C.T. Studd, some of these men. And this is what their message was. It's not a church's seating capacity that demonstrates a living church. It's their sending capacity that determines their life. I am so thankful that we are a sending church. We send forth missionaries to do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get to pray for them. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. So the opportunity, that's the first thought, if you will. The opportunity. Seize the door. It's our opportunity to both pray and to proclaim. Let me say this in relationship to the opportunity. Jesus has an open door before them. He has an open door before you and I. As a church collectively, we have an open door to send forth the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. It is the Great Commission. Amen? He said, go into all the world. If you're not engaged in the go of the Great Commission, you're going to stand before Jesus just like I am. What will be your excuse? There is none. Silence is right. There is none. Every one of us, every one of us, If you're not going, we ought to be sending. And how we send is we give. So I just want to, that's just a reminder. It's not a compelling, we're not taking an offering. That's up to you. That's up to me. Right? We, we need to send. Okay. Uh, Now then. He who has the key of David, he who opens the door and no one shuts. Don't you love that God? This is, Jesus is in control. Here's the thing, you can go in Isaiah chapter 22 and you'll hear of uh, Eliakim. Eliakim was the one who had the key of David over his shoulder. He's toting the key of David. What does the key of David even reference? It is the key access to the door that opens to the king. 
The one Jesus who has the key of David, he's already opened the door. We have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. How often do we walk through that door? How often do you walk through that door? How often do I walk through that door? Direct access to the Father. This universe was his idea. Through his son Jesus, he spoke the word and it was. And we have direct access to him. Hello. (laughs) I mean, wow. But the football game's on. Or... I got places to go, people to see, stuff to do. I mean, I'm the fastest guy on the freeway, you know, and I'm, you're in my lane. Get out of the way. And we're busy, 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 busy. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm really busy. How are you? Hey, oh, yeah, I'm busy. Let me show you my calendar. I must be important. <laughs> see? All that kind of stuff. And we have access to the Father. And we rarely, and I say we, maybe you're there often, and I pray that you are. And I pray that no one else knows that you are. I pray that no one knows because Jesus said it this way. When you pray, go into your closet, close the door behind you, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who is in the secret place, who sees you in the secret place, he'll reward you openly. You know what I think the open reward of God the Father is? He answers our prayers. Because we've been with him. We've been with him. The encouragement today, let's get into the closet. That's not even the sermon. That was like a little bonus. Okay. And I, I want you to know something. I'm talking to me today and as we've navigated through these seven letters, man, God the Holy Spirit has been rocking my ship. The good news is, if you're a visitor here today, I want you to know if you came to a church looking for a perfect pastor, you came to the wrong place. (laughs) And if you came to a church looking for perfect people, you ruined it when you got here. I'm Jesus. I mean, the the reality is, we're all folks trying to navigate faith. Let's do it Jesus' way. Let's receive His inspiration. Let's let Him mess us up a little bit and change our priorities, change our agendas, and get on His page. I mean, He had it figured out at 12 years old. Did you not know I must be about my father's business? I got my business, though. I got my stuff, though. No. Kingdom. How do you and I get transformed up here to be kingdom-minded? Kingdom. It's not about your car. It's not about my car. It's not about your bank account and how many commas you have in the dollar volumes there or where the decimal point is, how many zeros are on the right side or the left side of that decimal point. It's not about that. When you die and I die, we leave that all behind. And everything we own in our houses is just fueling the fire. 
But what we do for His namesake in the kingdom of God will last eternity. We should store up treasures where moth and rust cannot destroy. Right? Yeah, oh, man. Preach it. <laughs> okay. Let's do this. Can I get Dan, Matt, wherever Matt is, Austin, and Brandon? Will you guys come up here and help me out? I have, I have some 3x5 cards. I want to give everyone a, a four 3x5 cards. Okay, so can you guys, like, take a stack... Take a stack, start handing out. Take a stack, start handing out. If you need a pen, you'll need a pen. So if you don't have one, uh, these guys have they have pens like in their pockets and hands and things. And here's some more pens here. You get some pens. I'd throw pens, but I was told in kindergarten that somebody's eye could get poked out. So I won't do that. You got pens. There you go. There's more pens. Pens. Yay. Okay, they're going to give you these three by five cards. Now, I want you to hold them like this, like orange and yellow and then fuchsia and green, okay? So there's, there's an exercise this morning that we're going to do. And while we're doing this, I want you to be thinking about this. Now, these guys are going to be handing, and I'm sure there'll be a nice little distraction for us, so we'll try and keep your attention. We're, we're going to write some things on these cards, okay? And while we're going to write something on these cards, I want you to be thinking about this great time period known as the Philadelphia Church. It's the epic of church history from about 1700 to 1950. And it was during that time that the Great Awakening occurred in Europe and in the Americas. And also it became a great time of mission endeavor globally. Many, many missionaries early on that went out into the mission field never came home. Because they died on the field. They gave their lives for the gospel's sake. I think of it. Adoniram Judson in Burma. For six years, he saw nothing but heartache and trouble. Loss of family members. Finally, he came home sick. One convert. One would say, well, that wasn't very successful. Changed. That area of the world, as a result, something transpired immediately following where God moved and did something unbelievable. But the sacrifice of one man. I think about those martyrs who give their lives, even right now, like we saw Pastor Suda, who was revived, but there are many who are not, beaten to death. I could tell you a story that happened this last week. Uh, four individuals having a house church and in, in, in India and in the midst of their house church in India there was a celebration of the Hindu gods and the neighboring people in that community knew that they were in that house having a worship service to Jesus. They came to the house, they beat the door down, they dragged, they drugged the one female that was there, they drug her out into the street, she was brutally raped by eight men. One was left dead, one was left with a broken back and several, several broken bones. That's your brothers and sisters. For the gospel's sake. We forget about that stuff. In fact, oftentimes we don't want to think about that stuff. And it's high time that the church thinks about it. I'm, I'm fairly certain no mom or dad here would want their daughter 
on a foreign soil to be drugged out into the street and brutally raped. But that woman had a mom and a dad. I'm sure that wasn't their dream. And we, not, we ought not forget. We ought to remember. You say, wow, what a downer, Pastor Dave. <laughs> I came to church to be encouraged. That's real. That's real. We're not playing church. We don't play church at Hillside. We are, we are the church at Hillside. And the church is serious about the work of God. Does that make sense? Okay. On the orange card, if you... Now, everybody got an orange card? On the orange card, I want you to put your legal spouse's name. Your legal spouse. It means if you're married, if you're living together, don't put that person's name. Legal spouse. If you're you're not married, you leave it blank. And if you have any children, 17 years and younger, you can put them on that orange card. Okay? You leave it blank. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was a good question. If you if you were married but you have you're a widower, uh, you can leave a blank. Uh, Seventeen years and younger, you can put on that orange card. On the yellow card, I want you to list every other significant person in your life. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Some here like, hey, I got my people. <laughs> I, I'm I got a lot. No, let's limit it. Let's let's say your top five. Top five next most important people. Your top five most important people to you. I want you to list them out on the yellow card. Other than the orange card. Other than the orange card. Thank you. So orange, legal spouse, and 17 and under children. Yellow card, top five, other significant. And I, would, I pray that everyone here would take time to do this. It'll be important. It'll be important. Okay, next, you have the fuchsia and the green card. Everybody see my nice little backpack here? It's my new briefcase. Isn't that cute? I wanted, we have all these young guys and interns and students. I thought, man, I want to be studious again. I have my little backpack. Because my briefcase, I was trying to be cool one time when I bought that briefcase, briefcase, and uh, I was trying to just be cool, and it was like a little sash that went around my shoulder and made me feel like I was Indiana Jones or something in the kingdom of God. <laughs> so uh, I decided, hey, it's not about me. I've got to get a cool, just, well, less cool, and just have a backpack and stuff all my stuff in it. So it's a decent-sized bag, though. See that? It's that thick. It's actually pretty heavy. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the green card, and I want you to list everything that's important to you that would fit inside this bag. You only use the bag one time. So everything that is important to you goes in the bag. And your bag is your green card. Everything that's important to you, put it in the bag. It has to fit. <laughs> you can't leave it unzipped at the top and have the thing sticking out 10 feet. I know some of you wanted to put your artificial Christmas tree in there, so <laughs> it doesn't fit. Yeah, what's important to you? Narrow it down. I want you to think about this for a moment. What's important to you? Put it in the bag.
I got my stuff. It's important. Okay, that's your green card. Everybody got that? Some of you wrote a handful of things. Some of you are like, I don't even know what to write. My favorite running shoes. Put it on there. You might have to run. On the fuchsia card, everything else that's important to you. All your other stuff. Okay, and I know you can't, you know. You might have to, like, my house and all the things in it, right? I mean, I, I don't know how you write all that stuff, but that, uh, just do the best you can, all the other important things. And you can categorize it, like I said, uh, yes. Physical stuff, yeah, yeah. Tangible things. So not like job. No. Oh, you can put your job, sure. Why not? What you do. It is funny when we talk to people and we meet someone for the very first time, what do we ask? Oh, what do you do? Right? As we, if we get identity from what we do. And some of us do. What do you do? I'm a Jesus freak. And I get to build some metal stuff sometimes. <laughs> okay. Everybody got your cards? Everybody got cards? Got them all filled out? Wave them up in the air if you got them done. Woohoo! All right. I'm going to pick on someone. Who am I going to pick on? Oh. <laughs> Mike, can I see your orange and yellow card? <laughs> Super cool. Super cool. You don't ever get to see these folks again. Okay. Joel, can I see your green and your fuchsia? That's really cool. You don't get this. It's gone. Okay. Do I have any volunteers for the next set of cards? That's really cool, you guys. And four of our men back in the back right away. That's big. Scott, I'll take you up on that offer. Let me see your... I want to see your yellow and your orange card. Never again. They're pretty important people. But you don't get to see them again, ever. In fact, the birthdays, Mike, the birthdays, the maybe funerals, maybe weddings, never again. In fact, if they die, you don't even get to come home for the memorial. There are many in the world today 
They give their lives. They leave everything to obey the Great Commission. They leave their loved ones behind, and many never, ever get to see them again. And their loved ones never get to see them again. They leave their stuff, Joel. Sometimes missionaries get to take more than a bag. But persecuted Christians, they grab what they can and they run. Many of them, they get out with their clothes on their back. Many of them never even have a chance to run. A door is broken down and their lives are demanded of them right there on the spot. And so often we as the church don't give thought about it. I'd like to change that. I'd like to be a part of changing that. I wrote on my card, my wife's name on my orange card, and my three children, my mother-in-law. You made it to the card, Mom. That's because I love you. I love you. I would have liked to have written more than five. I would have liked to have included Mariah and Wesley and some of you. But when I could only limit it to five, I listed my sister. And the thought of that card and never seeing them again put some things into perspective for me. When I thought about the things that I would put in a bag this size, you know, the first thing that went down on mine was my Bible. It was the most important, and I know some of you did that. In fact, some of the cards that I saw did that, and I think that's really awesome. Because at the end of the day, if without Jesus, what is there? And then all the other stuff, the stuff, (laughs) I'm like... Take it away. Take it away. Because I don't want it to cloud my vision ever again. I want to be transformed, to be kingdom-minded. To be kingdom-minded. And to be about God's business. Now, the Church of Philadelphia, Jesus had... Everything good to say about them. Everything good. They they did those things. They had a little strength, so they didn't depend upon their own strength. They leaned upon the strength of the Lord. They rested on the strength of the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. In our weakness, he is made strong. He says, you've kept my word. Hidden his word in our hearts. That's value. That's value. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. So many homes in America have dozens of Bibles that are never opened. And there are people on the foreign field that if they just had a page of the Bible, it would be their very lifeblood. God, help us as the church, the, the living church of Jesus Christ, to value His Word. His word. 
like the psalmist in Psalm 119, his word, his precepts, his, his commandments are the very life that he holds on. They gave hope in the midst of hardship. I'd like to, the opportunity was the open door. There's an obedience for us in seizing the door. And I, I'd like to ask a couple of those guys to come back up. And I have, I, there's not enough here, so maybe husbands and wives, between the two of you, you can take one of these. Dan, if you'd help pass these out, and uh, Brandon and Austin Schaefer, maybe you guys could start towards the back. This is, just a, this is just a guide how to pray for the church this coming week. Uh, and I, I did my best to pick some areas that were uh, struggling. Uh, Europe is struggling right now, all of Europe. And so I'm just, I, I, first, today, we're going to pray for Europe. Europe is being invaded by Islam right now. And here's the, here's the crazy part. It's being embraced in many respects. And it's being embraced out of fear by other respects. Okay? So we want to pray for that. We want to pray for Iran. Uganda. We have missionaries right now in Uganda from Teen Challenge. In fact, we're going to pray for them today, uh, Chris, and uh, the, whole, the whole crew there. Uh, Gary and... Rachel and Scott and uh, Charity from Teen Challenge. Um, Turkey. Gabe Anderson sitting in the front row. Gabe, will you just stand for a second? Gabe's on his way to Turkey. Turn around and face these guys. He's going to Turkey. He's going to be in Turkey for two years. Scratch that from the recorder. Because where he's going... Turkey is known as the zero zone. The zero zone. The, the believers that are there are so few, they don't even regis- register with a decimal point. He's going there. We won't pray for Gabe. Do you, do you need help support still? Here's a guy, if you want to help finance, he's been a part of our fellowship 11 years He's not here weekly. He's fellowshipping in another location up in Oregon City right now with family members. But here's the thing. He's part of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. There's, no, there's no walls in the body of Christ. So he'll be, he'll, he'll be standing in the back after the service, right? There you go. Boom. He's like, okay. Let's just pray for him right now. And Chris and Lindy, could you, would you guys mind just standing real quick? I know you're, you have staff and Teen Challenge folk at... Uh, Uganda right now ministering. Will you guys stand? Can we just have a couple brothers and sisters come lay hands on these guys? A couple brothers and sisters maybe come over and lay hands. And we're just going to pray right now for the persecuted church. And we're going to pray for uh, Europe as well in its totality. We're just going to believe God. We're just going to believe God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. If you want to extend a hand forward to these guys. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, for the work in Uganda. We pray for Scott and Charity. We pray, God, for... Uh, all that is transpiring there for, for Gary and Rachel and the work of Teen Challenge and the other missionary works that are happening in Uganda. God, where the church is being persecuted in so many ways, we are praying, God, for revival. We're praying, God, for awakening. We're praying for the persecutors that, like in the v- video that we saw with Pastor Suda, the, the persecutors gave their hearts to Jesus and are now worshiping in a service. And the cry of that man said, Don't just pray for the persecuted, but pray for the persecutors. They need Christ. 
And so, Lord, we pray for Uganda. We pray for Gabe. We pray for the wealthies, Lord, who we just sent to Turkey. We are praying for Gabe. And we are asking God for that work. Lord, will you use the body of Christ? May we see an awakening. May we see a refer, just a reform. And may we see a revival in the name of Jesus. God, do a work. And may you bless those who have been persecuted for your namesake. God, be glorified and help. We pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for Europe. Lord, we are praying for Europe in its totality. We are asking God for your name to be made famous there, that people would put their faith and trust in Jesus and the persecuted church in so many different ways in so many different areas of Europe. God, we pray, Lord, for their protection. We pray, God, for your hand upon them, that they would hold fast the name of Jesus and that we would see an awakening in Europe again. We'd see it like in the days early on with some of these great revivalists, Lord, the Wesleyan brothers and so many others. Lord, may we see an awakening in Europe. And so God, we commit these things to you and we ask as a fellowship that this week as we pray for the persecuted church, that Father, name, just people would be transformed. Just like Suda, Pastor Suda, he said, I am, I am a feeble man and I am nothing without prayer. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said a strong amen. 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 Thank you guys. Let's thank these guys for the work that they're doing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. I, I, I want to encourage you to slip this in your Bible, because it's probably in your briefcase or your backpack, and uh, that you would, you would just commit to pray this week. So maybe, maybe as a family, if you sit down to a family meal, you'd stop, you'd thank God for the food, and you'd thank God for the church, okay? That would be really, really helpful. All right. It's, it's communion Sunday. We're going to come to the communion table. Here's what, here's what I want to remind you. The church in Philadelphia, they held fast the name of Jesus. They held fast. And because they held fast, he says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trouble that is going to come, across, uh, come upon the whole world. When we receive the communion emblems, when we receive them, we are publicly holding fast the name of Jesus. Publicly, He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Most of us in this room are from another church at some point in time in our life, or maybe you got saved right here at Hillside. At Hillside, we try and teach what things mean. Communion is a remembrance of Jesus Christ personally. But it is also a declaration to everyone who sees me receive that I personally, this guy, Dave Morris, while I hold the cup of juice and I hold the unleavened matzah bread, I am declaring to the world that my faith is in the new covenant of the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin personally. The bread represents the broken body of Christ. The juice represents the new covenant in his shed blood. And what the new covenant is, the old covenant, the Old Testament covenant, was based on two parties. And this is so important that we understand this. I never understood this until probably 10 years ago. It just it didn't make sense to me. And I honestly, I just probably didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. The old covenant was based on two parties. God said in the law, if you do this, I will do this. 
The problem, the law was trying to point all the people to their need of a Messiah because no one could fulfill the if statements of the law. And so man was helpless in his feeble estate. I can't do it. We see the Apostle Paul who said, according to the law, I'm perfect. Wait a minute. Jesus clarified what the law says. He says, you have heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother, you're guilty. And then Paul, he's like, I'm perfect according to the law. Then I realized the law was spiritual. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this body of flesh? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. So, the first covenant was based upon my performance. How many of you here, real quickly, let's just do this. I'm taking a little time. I don't normally go this long. Sometimes I do. Okay. How many of us are thankful today it's not based on our performance? (laughs) Yeah. Whoosh. Man, fail miserably. The new covenant in Jesus, because Jesus was not from Adam's bloodline, like every one of us is. He was born of a virgin. His bloodline was different. So he was without sin when he was conceived and born. Does that make sense? That's important. And he lived a sinless life. He fulfilled every if statement from the Old Testament. Every one of them. And he shed his own blood. He offered his life. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He shed his own blood. He was the perfect sacrifice. Without the remission, or without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus shed his own blood for the remission of sin. He was, remember Abraham when he was about to take Isaac's life? And the angel stopped him and said, Don't do it. Remember what he had said when his son Isaac said, Dad, we got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? He said, God will supply himself a sacrifice. And that is exactly what God did. God became flesh. He dwelt among us and he provided himself as the sacrifice. He was the ram caught in the thicket. He provided himself and he shed his blood. And so now the new covenant It's based on one party, not two, not performance by me, performance by Jesus. It's one party, thanks be to God. It's the grace of God. By grace you have been saved through faith. And so by partaking of the cup, it is the new covenant in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. At that dinner, that last supper, remember this at the last supper, and remember in the Seder meal to this very day, they participate four cups over the process of the whole meal. Four cups. And it's a joint cup. First cup, second cup. The third cup is after the supper. And after the supper, they partake 
of the cup of redemption. And it was after the supper that he took the cup and he said, this cup, redemption, is now in me, in my shed blood. Do this in remembrance. And he said, I will not drink of the cup of the vine again until we partake together in heaven. The fourth cup of that Seder meal, the Passover, is the cup of the ingathering. And we're going to have that someday. Jesus said to this folk in Philadelphia, Behold, I come quickly. So for us, today, we're going to hold fast the name of Jesus together. Like the church in Philadelphia did, they, they, they heard the command to persevere. They persevered. They went for it. They obeyed. They did it. They gave their lives for the gospel. We see in these cards, hey, I, I don't want to. I, there's, there's people I love, but for the gospel's sake, for the kingdom of God, I'll give it all. I'll give it all. Here's the thing. You think, well, is God going to send me to Turkey? Is God going to send me to Uganda? Is God going to... Your open door might be when you arrive at work tomorrow morning. You're going to walk by that person in your office, and you're going to know, i got to say something to that person. And, and the persecution... You, you still want to be accepted and you want to be welcome at work and you want people to like you and you want to be invited to sit at the same table that everyone eats food. And you know that if you say something about Jesus, you may not be more as welcome in that crowd. Because you can talk about God all day long. You mention Jesus and you're drawing lines in the sand. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's a real deal. It's a real deal. Your open door could be just that. Walking by, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, no, I got to... Hey, Dan, can I just, I just wanted to tell you something, man. I was just thinking about you when I walked by. I just want you to know I love you, and I'm praying for you. Can I, how, how's life going? Can I tell you about Jesus? I mean, it could be something like that. You've got to put your life on the line because it's no longer about you and me. It may be, oh, you're in a hurry. Anybody here ever be in a hurry? <laughs> you get to the gas station, and that sucker's filling up somebody else's car. Hurry up. Stop talking. And he comes over, hey, what can I do for you? You can hurry up. <laughs> put your cigarette down, put your Coke down, whatever you're drinking over there, get up off the ground, get over here, open up my little deal, put the thing in, because I can't do it myself. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And then when you're all done with that, you're walking in, you're like, i got to get my Diet Coke because I don't have enough caffeine. And you're going, and then the Spirit of God is going to say to you, that was awesome, thanks for representing you. Now go represent me. No. I blew it, kind. You've got to go back and you say, bro, I just treated you miserably. At least I was thinking miserable thoughts. Maybe you didn't do all that stuff. That was me. But maybe you, you're like more dignified. You're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to think that. And that's a guy that God wants to reach through you. That's your open door. Are you with me? Are we going to walk through the door or are we going to walk by the door? Are we going to hold the communion cup publicly? Are we going to like... No one sees it. You're a Christian. That's so epic. You get to talk to God the Father. And you get to be Christ's ambassador. And it's about representing Him, not us. Amen? Amen?
That's good. All right. Those who are going to serve us communion, will you guys come on up? I know the stuff's over here. Charlie and Matt and Tim and Gil coming down. I know it's long. It's late. I went at least 10 minutes longer than I normally do. I'm going to blame the worship team. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> he said, they're coming up here. They still love me. <laughs> um, in just a moment, after these guys... After, whoops, I'm falling over. After these guys get set... Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to invite you to stand in a moment. And uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to... Aisle by aisle, we're going to make our way to the center. We're going to come down kind of like two lines. And there'll be two over here and two over here. And we're just going to receive the emblems. We're going to walk back to our seats. And just remains where you can sit. And then I'm going to pray. We'll receive the emblems together. If you're here today, let me just say this real quick. If you're here today and you're part of the body of Christ, we serve an open communion. We want everyone to partake. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, but you realize, I need Jesus. And I want to make a public declaration. We want to invite you to come and be a part of communion. Here's the thing. If you understand that this cup and this bread represents what Jesus accomplished upon the cross, and you're searching, you're not ready to put your faith in the Lord, we want to encourage you to not receive communion because the Word of God reminds us not to receive these emblems in an unworthy manner. In other words, if you came up and you're like, oh, I'm going to take this, but I don't really believe it, and then you take it not believing it, the Bible says you'll be... You'll be actually eating and drinking condemnation on your own life. And God doesn't want that in your life. So if you're searching, we celebrate you searching. And we want to walk with you. We want to help you discover the love of God through Jesus Christ. So again, we serve an open communion. We would invite all to participate if your faith is in the Lord. And if you're not and you're searching, hey, we want to celebrate. We'd like to know about that so we can walk with you. We can answer any questions you might have. I hope that makes sense. We're very loving and we we want everyone to be a part. So... With that being said, will you please stand with me and I'm going to have you come forward and uh, please receive these emblems. Praise the Lord. I was lost. I was in
Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And breaking the bread, he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For us, matzah bread, it's been made this way for decades and centuries. It's without leaven. Leaven, biblically, is likened unto sin. And Jesus, as the bread of life, was without sin. And therefore, this bread is without leaven. It's without sin, if you will. It's a type. It's a picture. Note also, if you have a big enough piece, that there are scores this way, and there are scores that go across this way. I believe it is a reminder of what the prophet Isaiah said. It is, by his stripes we are healed. And you'll note that it's also perforated with holes. The prophet Zechariah reminded all of us, but very specifically the Jews who still partake of the matzah bread to this very day. He said, they will look upon the one in whom they pierced. And every time they eat the matzah bread, by type, they're looking upon the one in whom they pierced. Their Messiah. We pray for the Israelites that their eyes would be open and they would recognize Jesus Christ as Messiah. Father, today as we hold this bread, all of us together in this solemn moment, we, re- we remember Jesus. Publicly we declare His life. We hold fast His name. We are Christ's ambassadors. We want to represent a kingdom not of this world, the kingdom of God in whose King Jesus we represent. So Lord, help us to die to ourselves as we hear the beckoning of our own cross to come and die. Lord, may in fact we die. As we sang early on in this service, we give you thanks for your broken body, your laying down of your own life. 
We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together this morning. I invite you to stand with me this morning. We hold a small plastic cup with some 100% Welch's grape juice. Doesn't seem very spiritual, but what the cup represents is our very life in the faith. We're making an acknowledgement to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, to all of the holy angels, and to our brothers and sisters right here, that we are active participants in the new covenant, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Active participant, it's willful. I'm choosing to come under His covering. I'm choosing to come under His authority in my life. The Word of God. I'm choosing that. I receive the benefit of it. He says, I'll give you life, life everlasting. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God. I received the gift of eternal life. Thanks be to God. My sin is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. That's good news. That's such good news. Our charge is the open door is before us. To not walk by any more open doors. You say, well, you mean I mean I might have to talk to everybody I come into contact with? Yes. 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 But you know right now who God's calling you to go reach. It could be that neighbor that's been ornery. It could be that person that really just rubs you wrong, grates on your nerves. Anybody have someone that grates on their nerves? Yeah, raise your hand real quick so I don't feel alone. All right, six of us. Well, the rest of you, it could be you. <laughs> but here's the thing. God called us to love not only our, our family and friends and those that love us, but to love our enemies. And to pray for those who falsely persecute us, that they might know the one we know. This cup is a representation of the new covenant in the shed blood of Jesus. Father, today we thank you for your great plan of salvation. Your word says you demonstrated your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God, you made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your great plan of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to the point of death, death upon the cross. The Word of God says, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree, and you hung, taking our curse upon you, that we might be liberated and set free. Lord, thank you, and thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who now dwells in us the hope and the guarantee of our future in all eternity. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. 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 Can we sing that chorus one more time? And you close us in a quick word of prayer afterwards, Pastor Dennis. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run. Run from his
before us. And as we're reminded throughout today and throughout the week and the months to come, those who are martyrs, may we pray for the missionaries, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a good afternoon.